It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60! To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Week 12 in the NFL, Saints fans. We are inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak gearing up for a Sunday afternoon in San Francisco against the tough Niners team we just saw decimate the Cardinals on Monday night football, but the good news is at least we are coming off of a win with some glimmer of hope, Jeff, that this team can maybe just maybe put together a win streak. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we'd been waiting two weeks to see a winning football team and we got one. Part of that was because the Rams were just bad and going back through the film, it's, you, you can see that the Rams are just not a very good football team, but again, you have to, be able to win those games. And in order for the Saints to still pretend that this season has a chance, they had to win that game, and they did. So we're going to get into more from that game. I was able to go through a good bit of the film. We're going to talk about the offensive line, which I thought held up about as well as you could have hoped in a matchup against Aaron Donald. We're going to talk about some of the things they did against Aaron Donald in that game. We're also going to dive into more from Caden Ellis. We got a chance to talk to him on Monday. We're going to give you that full interview in the second segment or at least a slightly abridged version of it. And then the final segment, I want to get into some of the futures opportunities for Saints betters, which (laughs) if you're one of those few optimistic people, (laughs) you can make some money if you don't mind losing some money. So we'll get into some of those, some of those odds highlighted by the only real chance the Saints player has. And Chris Olave is the rookie of the year. We're going to look into, you know, what are his actual chances and who is he competing with for that award? But First off, I want to go through a vocabulary lesson um, because, Steve, you use the word decimated a lot. Do you know what decimated actually means? I would say that, you know, completely destroyed. Realistically, that's how it's used. That is not what it means. Decimate means to reduce something by, you know, a multiple of 10. That is the, the definition? Yes, or you could you could use it more casually as something that is usually this is missing a significant percentage of it. So you could say injuries have decimated the Saints offensive line, but the 49ers could not have decimated the Cardinals unless they literally just killed 10% of their team. Does that make sense? Well, they, they decimated them on the scoreboard. Would that work or no? No, no. Because you have to be reducing something. That That's... This doesn't even need to be in the podcast, but like you hear that, that's a word that gets used in sports terminology a lot. And it's kind of taken on a new life in terms of how it's used. But realistically speaking, like grammatically speaking, yeah, it can only be used accurately if you have reduced a number. So like, you know, if you're, if you're at war and one yeah, army yeah. like kills 10% of the other army, they decimated that army. So yeah, but, if they were knocking if they were knocking players out the game, then you could say they decimated them. Yeah, or like injuries of just anyway. That, that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not even an aside that I'll probably put in the podcast, but it's just <laughs> uh, I get dirty about words. That that's a word that always gets used in sports for some reason because it sounds it sounds like you know like destruction, decimate, yeah. it, but it's really it's really a numbers thing. Fun fact. It's good to know. Yeah, uh, everyone just turned off turned off the podcast halfway through that. And they're just like, I'm never listening to that asshole again. <laughs> Whatever, Mr. Mr. The definition of Mr. Oxford dictionary over here. <laughs> anyway, so we're here to talk about the saints. You know, one thing that I think everyone expected going into that game, a 27, 20 win by the saints over the Rams was for the saints to really struggle to block Aaron Donald. Definitely. And I don't think they did. I think they had a really good plan going in. And that plan was, he is not going one-on-one ever, ever. <laughs> he will not be one-on-one in this game. If we get beat one-on-one by any of the other four guys, fine. But we are not going to allow Aaron Donald to be the guy that wrecks this game. And when you go through the film, like you, you watch play after play after play, where he just has two big bodies just on either side of him. 
and you just make do with the other with the the rest of the rush. Like the first Saints drive that ended in a field goal, yeah. that wasn't Aaron Donald that wrecked that drive. That was Josh Andrews missing a block on Greg Gaines. Right. And part of the reason you're one on one with Josh Andrews on Greg Gaines is because you are devoting multiple blockers to Aaron Donald. There was one point in that game, I think it was a third and six. It was a play that Andy Dalton checked down to Alvin Kamara. And uh they just they had three three pass rushers on one side, and then they had Aaron Donald in a wide split on the other side. He was like fifteen feet removed from any other pass rusher. And it was like an isolation play in basketball. They're like, oh, you want to double team me? You're gonna have to come all the way over here to do it. And that means you have one-on-one with the other three pass rushers. And, you know, they, the Saints still just got it out fast because they were like, okay, he's still going to beat Landon Young over there. <laughs> it was just really interesting. I think they had a really good plan going in, and it worked. Yeah, that was definitely a huge concern going in just because you're down, you know, three of your five starters. I mean, Andrews Pete was still a question mark where he was active for the game but didn't end up suiting. He was suited up, but he didn't end up coming in and playing at all. And so, yeah, kudos to the, the game plan and to the – the bodies filling in who, you know, managed to, uh, you, you didn't completely stop him, but you definitely neutralized him enough where he wasn't taking over the game. And that was a huge factor, obviously. Yeah. I mean, he had three hurries, no sacks, two QB hits, you know, he's going to have an impact and he's part of the reason that Alvin Kamara had such a difficult day running the ball. Like, so on a lot of these Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara sets where, you know, you're, you're trying to read the backside, you see a lot of like, oh, the, the Alvin Kamara run didn't work. So people are complaining, well, why didn't Taysom keep it? Well, it's actually not that difficult of a read. Basically, he is holding that ball out. He was looking to see if there is a defender covering the outside zone on the back end. And if they are, he's giving it to Alvin. If they're not, he's keeping it. It, it really is that simple. Like it, It's not whether he thinks, oh, I can beat this guy to the edge. If he's there, you're handing it off. If he's not there, you are keeping it. But it's funny because like there were instances where there is a defender there but it's not Aaron Donald <laughs> and, and handing it to Alvin and going the opposite direction means that you are running right into the face of Aaron Donald. And that's part of the reason that play really didn't work that well, because they did keep an edge defender on the backside. And then Alvin was just trying to like, you're asking Cesar Ruiz and Ryan Ramchick to hold up against Aaron Donald. It's just not working. But I do think that they had a really good design to kind of get away from Aaron Donald in that game. And it's a similar design that you would have seen back when they would play the Texans. I think, I think it was the 2019 opener. They faced the Texans and they did the same thing to JJ Watt. And it's like, okay, you're just trying to keep the action away from him as much as possible. And we had Doug Marone, Saints offensive line coach talking to Mike Haas on WWL yesterday. And this is what he had to say. What was kind of the plan to, cause to, to, to handle and, and chip Aaron Donald. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot that went into it. I think, you know, like you said, they they do a good job, and you know, I, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've been going against this player since he was in college. You know, I, I, when I was head coach of Syracuse and he was at Pitt, and you know, really have uh, a ton of respect for for Aaron, and uh, you know, pretty much probably, I mean, you know, we've all been around a long time, and there's been a lot of great players, but. You talk about someone that, that can change the game. You know, the first person always goes to my mind is Lawrence Taylor. And then, you know, recently now you look at someone like Aaron Donald. So, you know, we wanted that, you know, we were going to at least get, you know, try to get, you know, two linemen going to his side, trying to get uh, the tackle to be able to hang in there, you know, so this way you don't give him a lot of room. He's a player that, you know, if you create any type of space, um, he's going to take advantage of that and win. So, you know, basically we were looking to do, you know, a couple of different things on how to try to take that space away. And uh, whether it be, you know, helping to tackle what a tackle could stay in there and help the guard, you know, whether we have, you know, whether we put it back in there, that was just going to um, not have any protection um, assignment, except just to make sure that, you know, we were going to be able to put him back on the guard. Uh, we were looking at things and, and being able to slide because, you know, when you, when they, you play a player that has, multiple positions you're going to have to you know have some multiple plans because you really can't predict where he's going to line up and you know a couple of times you know we were we were fortunate we were able to get two two linemen on him um when he went out there and and it worked out it worked out well and you know i think a lot of credit goes to you know goes to really zach and um you know putting that plan together for us yeah and i think Shout he, out he's Street. saying a lot of what of what you know we were talking about is you're just trying not to make you're trying to make sure he doesn't have any space to work with 
And how you know the Saints plan was going well is like I had mentioned, these were this was like one of the alignments you saw Aaron Donald set up in. Like <laughs> look at how much space there is between the between the you know the right defensive tackle and the right defensive end, which is Aaron Donald. Like no one else do you line up like that and say, yeah, they're not gonna they're still not gonna try to run it there. You know, like if, if any if that's anybody else you're checking into a run and you're saying, okay, you're going to give us that gigantic hole. We're going to go, we're going to run it on third and six. And we're going to, we're going to get a first down on third and six. Yeah. Uh, in this case, it's like, oh wait, yeah, we're not running third in Aaron Donald. So you end up checking it down to Alvin Kamara and you actually don't convert this play. So it's just, it really is fascinating just how much impact him being on the field at all has on how you are operating as an offense. But again, the Saints did enough in this game to stop him from wrecking it. And if you went in saying, okay, that's going to be the case, I think you felt a lot better about the Saints' chances to win this game, and that's pretty much what you saw. Yeah, I mean, the running combo of Taysom and Kamara did pretty good. I, I know on his own, though, I think Kamara was only like three-something yards per carry, but he finished with, I think, a total of 89 yards on the day, rushing and receiving uh, just wishing AK could get in the end zone, obviously, more. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Saints really didn't get deep in the red zone a lot in this game. Like, they didn't have a lot of goal goal line opportunities to be able no. to run the ball in. So that, you know, that obviously makes it a little more difficult for a running back because you're not scoring from that far out, typically, as a running back. But, yeah, I, I think for Alvin, it's more about you just have to maintain the dedication to get him the ball. It's the same thing with, with Taysom. You just have to make sure that you don't get discouraged early in the game because it's not working right away. Because like the worst thing you can do against a team that you are worried about the pass rush and the way the Rams make you worry uh, is to become one-dimensional and to allow them to sit back and just say, okay, we're just going to rush the passer on this play. And uh, they, the Saints, because I mean, they, they didn't run for that many yards. I think they ran for 94 yards in the game, but they, and they did it on you know 20 some odd carries. Like it was not hyper-efficient but they made sure that the Rams had to account for it. And it got more effective as the game went on. If you, and if you, can, if you have any chance to beat the 49ers this coming week, who have a very similar player, you know, as similar as you can be. Like, I don't know if there is a similar player to Aaron Donald, but Nick Bosa does a lot of the same things as Aaron Donald. He'll rush inside, he'll rush outside. He's a really good run stopper. He can get to the quarterback. So you're going to have to do a lot of the same things this week that you did uh, against the Rams if you have a chance to win that game, which... Watching that 49ers team play uh, against the Cardinals team that the Saints have faced and struggled against, admittedly with Colt McCoy at quarterback, so that's, that is a major difference. But that 49ers team, especially on offense, that does not look like a team the Saints are going to be able to handle. I will say, though, early on in that, I thought McCoy was doing some decent things in the short passing game, was able to be a little bit efficient. But as that game wore on, it was just totally outmatched. And I'm just impressed with, you know, the amount of weapons on that Niners squad. Right. And I know, you know, they just added Christian McCaffrey. I, I even forgot about a guy like Brandon Ayuk who showed up with two touchdown day. Uh, Greg Kittle had a big outing. George, George Kittle. Greg Kittle. Same difference. Skittles. You know. No, I mean, every all the weapons, all the weapons worked in that game. Like, that's the yeah. scary thing. And we're going to talk a lot more about the 49ers in the, the Friday episode. And we're going to get into our preview. But, like, you look at... Okay, who are the weapons on this team? George Kittle, obviously, tight end. He catches a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver. He's probably the only wide receiver that really scares you in the traditional sense. Yeah. Catches two touchdowns. Debo Samuel, also kind of a wide receiver hybrid, you know, whatever you want to call him. He he runs the ball in for a touchdown on a reverse. And then, you know, Christian McCaffrey is catching passes. He's doing his thing. And, and in the first half, it was basically the Christian McCaffrey half. And then in the second half, they bring a, a starting running back off the bench effectively. He had one touch. He, that's his Eli Mitchell, former uh, UL Raging Cajun Eli Mitchell, who looked really good. And he came in the second half, and it was like you, they were talking at halftime, like, wow, I don't know why they haven't gotten Eli Mitchell involved. Is he in the doghouse? Is he, is he maybe hurt? Or, you know, but no, no, I think this is a team that understands we have two RB1s. And if we rest one in the first half and don't have to overwork him, he's going to come in the second half and go against the defense that has been run all over the field 
and he's he's gonna look fresh and that's what happened like he got in and he was just started ripping off four five six yard runs and so i just for the saints they the offense looked good in this game against the rams like they were able to move the ball they were able to be consistent they scored two out of three times in the red zone which is important at least touchdowns i mean they should have been three for three Taysom hill had jarvis wide open on that little sprint out on that first drive that ended in a field goal and he just, for whatever reason, didn't throw the ball. I don't know if he didn't spot him right away. Maybe he missed, Maybe he like had a hard time getting his hand back on the ball because he he pulled it down to kind of sell the run, and then he had to get it reset. Maybe that took him a little extra second to do that. And by the time he threw it, the defense was able to react and almost intercepted it. It should have been a touchdown. But the Saints will need to be efficient and score when they have opportunities to beat this 49ers team because especially – with all of the injuries you were dealing with on the defensive side of the ball for the Saints, I mean, you cannot hope that this that this defense can go out to San Francisco and hold that team under 28 points. Like, you're going to have to score 30 to win this game, I think. Yeah, and you just mentioned before with the, you know, bringing in Elijah Mitchell in that second half, the the Niners got rid of Jeff Wilson, to, I guess, to make room to, to allow Elijah Mitchell to get more carries because, uh, man, they're, they're pretty stocked at running back. Well, I mean, Elijah Mitchell was going to be the starter. Yeah, he but wasn't... I'm just saying, like, uh, another complimentary piece, like Jeff Wilson just dealt away. Yeah, but, I mean, Eli Mitchell was hurt for the first eight weeks. Yeah. They traded Jeff Jeff Wilson because they weren't going to use him. Right. Mitchell was coming back. I get, I get yeah. that. This and... team wants to use Eli Mitchell. That's why it was weird that you see him not involved at all, and you would have expected them to have more kind of a two-back set. But that's really not how they did it. They basically said, okay – Christian's going to get the first half and Eli's going to get the second half. And I don't know if that's how they're going to operate every week, but that's definitely how they were operating in this game. And, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they do similar things against the saints, but either way, I don't know what you, what you try to stop, right? You talk about, you know, the bill Belichick thing where it's like, okay, I'm going to take away your best player and force you to beat me doing what you, you know, play left-handed, right? Like what is their left hand? Like, I don't know. Like you, you take away Christian McCaffrey. It's like, okay, yeah. Debo, right. And Kittle. Right. And Ayuk, you take away Kittle. It's like, okay, fine. We'll give it to Christian McCaffrey, right? It, it's 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 got to be a frustrating team to try to game plan against. Definitely, and you you know, to me at least, I think of 49ers, I think a defense, uh, just really impressed all around with what they were able to do. And Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> benefiting from all that now, looking a lot more at ease at quarterback. And did you happen to see the you know everyone trolling poor Colt McCoy? They had the video of Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy GQ walking into the stadium pregame. And then they panned to a shot of Colt McCoy walking in. They were calling him Colt McColes, basically, you know, Coles, the, uh, the, I guess you would call it like a target or Walmart kind of store store? compared to a Jimmy GQ. I I tweeted this at one point, which was like, Colt McCoy looked very much like a guy who expected to be carrying a clipboard and he would <laughs> like to be carrying a clipboard right now. Like he was getting beat up in that game. You yeah. felt bad for him. Like he, he's not supposed to be in that situation. You know, it's, it's like, it, it, it it's not that dissimilar to the saints right now, to be honest <laughs> with, with Andy Dalton uh, who signed on to be a backup and now he's trying to make it work behind three backup offensive linemen. But yeah, I mean, Colt McCoy, the difference is obviously Andy Dalton, even if people don't want to admit it was a pro bowl quarterback earlier in his career. Like he had seasons where he was a star. Colt McCoy was never that, you know? So like even, even at his top end at his top end uh, gear, he was not, he's not the guy you expected to, to go out there and win those games, but he yeah, actually does have the a credit record he, as a starter. So, and you can give Dalton credit. He was a star in Cincinnati when Cincinnati didn't have, you know, all those weapons around him. I mean, he had uh, AJ I mean, Green. He had AJ Green. Yeah. He had like peak AJ Green, which <laughs> who was now on Arizona. No, yeah, it's on Arizona. Who was catching passes from, from Colt McCoy Colt. last night. Yeah. <laughs> right. I didn't um, even know that. I didn't even know AJ Green still existed. Yeah, he's out there. He's out there. And, you know, I I've had this argument with people like when when they went to Andy Dahl and it was like people call him like a career backup. And I was like, no, no right. he's not. He was really good for like his entire career in Cincinnati, like the last four or five seasons, he fell off and the team fell off. 
but he was a Pro Bowl quarterback for like, you know, a solid eight years. Like he made the Pro Bowl twice. He threw for over 4,000 yards multiple times. He made the playoffs multiple times. He just, I don't think he ever was that top end quarterback that, you know, he was like, kind of like, like Joe Flacco was never great. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, you know, like that sort of thing. But yeah. Either way. Yeah, and, and unfortunately for Dalton, obviously, Cincinnati ends up with the top overall pick and you get a guy like Joe Burrow coming in, so he was shipped out. And now, yeah, like you said, suddenly because he goes to Chicago, he goes to Dallas, he's viewed as his backup quarterback. But that's far from the, the far from his situation and his career. Yeah, no, and I, I've been impressed with Andy and in terms of like, I would have guessed that his career was over. You know, like, like Joe Flacco goes into games and you're just like, no, this team doesn't have a chance to win. Although, you know, Jets are, Jets fans are now calling for Flacco over the whole fiasco that they've been going through. So who knows what's going on with the J-E-T-S Jets. They saw, they saw Andy Dalton slinging it against the Rams, and they were like, we want that. <laughs> we, want, we want Joe, Broadway Joe. Yeah, I mean, the, the situation at quarterback hasn't been ideal this year, and I think that's going to be obviously something – We'll be talking about in postseason uh, podcasts when we're talking about the Saints gearing up for 2023. Yeah, you know. So one other thing that we that I want to talk about before we move on here is um, Josh Andrews, who I think it was interesting to see the Saints go with him at center and not Caesar Ruiz. But it does make sense because, as we've mentioned, you want to keep Caesar at his natural position so that you have as few people playing out of position as possible. And, and that's what we saw. I thought he obviously had that one really rough rep against Greg Gaines that really torpedoed that drive. Although Taysom should have hit Jarvis Landy for a touchdown on the first down play. So that play should have never happened. But that's kind of the consequence of missing those, those opportunities is, okay, yeah, now you're asking Josh Andrews to block again and he's not going to hold up. Taysom gets sacked on third down, you're kicking a field goal. But I did think that he looked a lot more comfortable. So I wanted to ask Ryan Ramchek about that when we talked to him on Monday. Here's what he had to say. Now, obviously, with Eric out, those are big shoes to fill for anybody. You know, did you see Josh get a little more comfortable in week two in that starting role at center? Yeah, I think a little bit. I think, um, you know, I think he did a good job stepping up first week. But, yeah, I think he may may have been a little bit more comfortable this week. Um, you know, we were at home, which, which obviously helped a little bit too. Um, but I think he did a good job. I think he's... You know, he's a smart player, um, and, uh, you know, I thought, you know, he played with confidence and, and, and did a good job. Yeah, I think one thing that you take for granted until it goes away is, like, there was no bad snaps. You didn't see any fumbled exchanges from the center to the quarterback. And anytime you switch players, there's a lot of, like, like finicky things that change in that QB center exchange. And, you know, it's good to see that it's that it's not, especially because he has to have it with two players, right? He has to do it with Andy and Taysom. That's not that easy of a situation. You didn't see any bad snaps, nothing went over Andy's head, anybody's head. So obviously there's going to be struggle points. And you saw that with that with that sack allowed. But I think all things considered, you have held up pretty well at center. And, you know, you got to give got to give Josh credit for that. And huge credit because you talk to him and he's a guy that was his second start at center ever. He'd been a guard for his entire career. So that's another impressive thing. Last game, the game before that was his first start at center. And this was his second ever pretty impressive for a guy that's he's been in the NFL for a little bit, but has really just been a guard. I mean, he has played center in his career. He may not have started at center. Right. Yeah. But he, he has played center. He, he was the only other player on the, roster that had taken snaps at center in his career so you know take that for what it is that doesn't mean he he's suddenly a qualified center but he at least had played the position other I mean obviously other than Cesar Ruiz but yeah no he, he he's gonna be someone you watch you know I don't know if he's gonna be able to continue to hold up but you're gonna see him assuming health for probably the next two weeks at least because Eric McCoy's on injured reserve and he's not he's not coming to the rescue until after the bye at best so you know, hopefully he can keep it going um, under center for the Saints. No, and that's such a huge position that I think gets not talked about enough is having a quality center in the NFL, obviously. Yeah, you, you don't talk you don't, about him until they start screwing up. Exactly, kind of like a kicker. Yeah, and, you know, I think he has struggled a little in the run game too, and we, you never talk about that quite as much because it's like if you you need to be able to pass protect before, you, before I start worrying about run blocking. Um, so that's kind of the next step for him. But all right, let's wrap that segment up. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about Caden Ellis, who, you know, has been a star 
the last two weeks. Not just good, he's been a star. We're going to hear from him. Uh, he talked to the media this week. So stick around on Inside Black and Gold. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. My name is Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Follow Steve at Steve Geller WWL. Make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to check out over on YouTube and hit the subscribe button there as well. And one person we are subscribing to very much over the next few weeks and, you know, probably beyond, Caden Ellis, a guy who is earning himself money with every tackle he makes. He is in the final year of a deal. He's not even making a million dollars this season for, for at linebacker, which, you know, for a normal person, that probably sounds ridiculous. But for a starting NFL linebacker, that is uh, that is very sub-market. And I wasn't sure what to expect from him. We've We've seen him for four years at this point, so we have a good idea of who he is. But I wasn't sure what to expect from him in a starting role. And he has made you feel a whole lot better about being without Pete Werner for at least a couple more weeks. You know, we always hear the next man up mentality and it's really hard to replace that net, you know, that guy that goes down because obviously they're a starter for a reason, but man, it'd be hard to really see any kind of drop off since Warner's been out with, you know, Caden Ellis in the game and man, yeah, just a seventh round draft pick out of Idaho and, you know, has dealt with some injuries and in early in his career but a guy that's always had that effort, that want to, uh, you can tell he's got that love of the game. Dad was an all-pro with the Denver Broncos, has that pedigree. And I just, I'm, I'm always impressed with Caden Ellis and a guy that is easy to root, is easy to root for as well, just because of the, the positive energy he always brings. He, he's a very uh, religious man, too, and always talks about his faith playing a part in his football as well. He really does. And, you know, I'm glad that's a good segue into the interview itself. Here's what Caden had to say when we talked to him yesterday. How much were you uh, eager for this opportunity to kind of show what you could do in a, in a more expanded role? I mean, since I've been here, I've been on one of the most dominant defenses in the league. I've gotten to play with such amazing players. I've gotten to play for such amazing coaches. Um, the talent has just been through the roof, the experience. And whenever I mean, I've been here, it's been a team with, um, aspirations to, to be champions not just divisional but the Super Bowl champions and uh the roster's always been there so um I understood you know kind of the position I was in you know a later round pick with uh, promise um I mean I've always known I've had the ability uh, to, to play well and to do great things in this league but you know was kind of forced to to look at myself and um you know really have to critique these last couple of years and you know, D.A., Hodges, Nolan, all the, all the great coaches that have been around have been able to help me in that. And so this year, I felt primed. I felt ready to go. I felt uh, that, you know, the holes in my game that maybe were once there were either minimal, uh, minimized or gone. Um, and I would created strengths in them. So, you know, I've been very eager for the opportunity to get to go out and show what I can do, to go out and help this team win, to go out and play the game that I love to play. Um, and try to give glory to, to my God in doing it and um, bless the name on my back in doing it and uh, the entire city of New Orleans. So I've been eager and I'm just, it's, it's been so exciting. What, what are the holes that you've, uh, you felt like were filled in this year that, that, that are gone now? Again, I mean, I'm sure you could have my coaches, coaches around the league, um, people that would maybe say whether filled in or minimalized, they could argue with me on those points, but um, at least, if nothing else, I know I've worked on these and gotten better at these um, is, is coverage, you know, especially, you know, just feeling in a zone and then being able to recognize concepts. Um, that was something I had to do. Uh, another, another area I had to work on is coming out of college. I basically played a lot of D-end and outside linebacker. I was, I was a pass rusher and I had some experience off the ball, but not to the extent that really you need to um, be a great inside linebacker in the NFL. So. Uh, my eyes, and that was something that Coach Hodges has worked with me since um, since he was the assistant um, before he took over the lead role, and, and he, he's helped me and built cut-ups for me and um, just found ways to help me so that as you see the, the formation, as you see the play happening, where your eyes are supposed to be, what you have to see peripherally, um, that, that's something I, I had to grow at, and I'm sure I still do. You know, there's always more, more work to be done, but 
that's something I've had to had to work on hard these last couple of years. And uh, lastly, I'd say my range. Um, you know, I felt like a really great athlete uh, coming out of college. Um, and then after having my ACL, honestly, I, just to be honest, I didn't have the Adrian Peterson type of story where I came back immediately, quick, rapid. Um, you know, it took me quite a long time to feel like myself again. Um, really, up until last year, to feel like the player I you know, the athlete that I once was, uh, speed wise and agility. And then this year, you know, you know, they brought in some, some really awesome strength staff, Dr. Ray, and, um, Matt, Clapp, um, and they really helped me this off season, um, as well as just putting in work myself to, to increase my speed and explosiveness, um, and agility. So, you know, those were areas that, that talking to DA, talking to coach Nielsen Hodges, um, our scouting department, um, I knew that I had to work on to be the type of guy that they could trust to put on the field. I worked hard. Um, and God's just uh, allowed me to reap some reward right now, so I'm thankful. Um, again, I know I have more work to be, more work to do because I'm not done as a player, but um, it's been exciting to, to get to go out and show what some of the work I've put in up to this point has been. How, how do you feel like this, this, the speed and agility helps you as a pass rusher paired with your previous experience? Like some of the stuff you were doing yesterday, like on those sacks, is crazy. You don't really see that from linebackers, and like you're just kind of exploding through there and kind of have that that refinement that a lot of guys at linebacker don't have. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, my dad was a two-time All-Pro defensive lineman. You know, first-round pick as a DN, kind of transitioned to a defensive tackle. Um, so that's kind of his you know, what he's had from me <laughs> since I've been young, you know what I mean? As soon as I told him I want to play football, it was uh, either quarterback or pass rusher. Those were the two that, that we worked on. I played quarterback in high school, but basically I was just a running back because I couldn't throw worth a lick. But, um, you know, when it came to pass rush, it was something that I've, you know, always had a knack for. Um, and he's really helped me refine it and really helped me develop it. And then um, getting to come here and, and work with Nielsen um, and Hodges and just the way that, they and DA have built our our uh, third down plan is has been really something special getting to watch you know you know maybe someone that didn't have as much of a DN background more of an inside linebacker Demario but is one of the best pass rushers in the league in, in what he does um, especially attacking the interior you know getting to watch these guys getting to work with them and then adding like you said adding, getting to add the increased explosiveness speed and agility it's been it's been something that um, again I mean already watching the film from yesterday there's there's some stuff that I, some, some passers plays I wish I could have back, um, not including, not even talking about the one where I had Stafford in my arms, but um, just, you know, where maybe I didn't get to the quarterback on one, but at the end of the day, it is coming together well. And um, I, I got some good opportunities yesterday to show just how well I can pass rush and uh, I'm going to continue to work on that. After the game tomorrow, I think his words were the best kept secret in the NFL. You know, obviously he's a guy you've worked closely with the last four years. You know, what does it mean to hear that type of praise from, uh, you know, a guy that's done it as well as DeMario. It means a lot. I mean, uh, the man that DeMario is, even more so than the player, just like the leader and the man that he is, um, it's special. And, and uh, I've been in football for many years now. I've been around a lot of great leaders, a lot of great people. Um, he's right at the top. He's just such a special human being. Um, and then you take into account just the every year all pro type of player that he is um, to hear those words from him after the game. It, it meant a lot, you know, it was, uh, he's been there with me through the whole, you know, through it all. He's seen me as I was struggling in certain times. He's seen me when I wasn't playing well and he's seen me when I've done good things these last four years. And um, just hearing that he said that it, it meant a lot because he's, he's a really amazing, amazing person and a really amazing player. So uh, yeah. Caden, can you get into specifically what like what you want to do improve in, in coverage? Because you you've been in a starting role for a while, mostly on ball. Um, so yeah. playing playing uh, in space, what, what did you want to get better at there? <laughs> there was a lot. <laughs> uh, again, just kind of going back to, I mean, the base was speed and agility, uh, particularly after my, my injury, I felt like. But even before, as I was a rookie coming in, you could tell I just didn't quite have. I remember his first uh, spring ball and, and DA came up to me. Um, and it was like maybe one, two weeks in. And he's like, Caden, I love what you're doing in the run game. I need you to work on that coverage for me, okay? And I, I was just a little rookie. I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> I didn't really know what he was saying or what he was talking about. I, I, you know, I, again, I, I didn't know much about off-ball linebacker stuff. But, you know, now looking back on it and reflecting and uh, self-scouting, you know, just a feel. So when you're in a zone, you got to have the feel. you got to have the route recognition. You know, if you've got two by two, if two to your side does this, 
well, it takes out a certain number of plays. There's only so many other plays that can come. Um, so with the recognition and the feel of the quarterback uh, being able to sink in the zone and, and know basically what's coming and how you have to take away, what you have to take away for the defense to be successful. Um, and then when you get into more match and man, it's really just your footwork. Um, you know, in college, you're allowed to beat someone up all the way down the field with your hands. And so using my strength in college, like that helped me. But now in the NFL, you get five yards. And even sometimes they don't give you the full five yards. Um, so just being able to step and replace, being able to have good footwork, uh, to stay calm in coverage and to just react and, and then play the ball. You know, all those things are, are aspects of the game that I have, uh, I have really had to work at. And I'm not done. I, I still have to work at them. Um, but it's been something that I've improved and uh, I've been thankful to show it. Yeah, and I think one of the more interesting things from that interview is how it's he talks about, you know, he's always felt comfortable as a pass rusher. You know, he learned from his dad, uh, Luther Ellis, who's an excellent NFL defensive tackle pass rusher. And you look at the his grades from Pro Football Focus, the last two weeks he has been graded out at 90.1 in 91.3 defensive grades. Unbelievable. That's pretty wild, isn't it? No one against the Steelers, the next highest grade was like P.J. Williams with a 76-something. Like he, he's been that good. Four pressures in this game, two sacks or one and a half sacks, uh, two more hurries. He had 11 total tackles. He led the team. It's just remarkable. He had a, one, one sequence in this game where he got a sack on third down to end a drive. The Rams punted. The Saints ran three plays and punted back. Well, he also got 11 special team snaps in this game. So on that punt, he went downfield and made the tackle. The next play, first down for the Rams, deep in their own territory, he and Carl Granderson get through for another sack. So on three back-to-back-to-back snaps, he had sack, punt coverage, tackle, sack. <laughs> Late in the game, where when the Rams are trying to everything they can to make a run and get back in that game, he was just like, nah, I'm good. Term you hear with someone running around with their hair on fire on field, that was him. In a good way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's made it more remarkable by the fact that like he played the most snaps of any player in that game. He played 70 total snaps, with including the special team snaps. He had 59 on defense, 11 on special teams. And he was still running around like he had he could have gone for, for hours. And, you know, it says a lot about his work ethic. It says a lot about his fitness. And, uh, you know, he talked about in that interview, he talked about how he tore his ACL in his rookie season. And, you know, some guys can come back from that really quickly. You know, you mentioned Adrian Peterson with his, yeah. you know, remarkable recovery. He wasn't like that. He... It took him a little longer to come back. And even in year two, he admits that, like, he wasn't right. Like, he wasn't back to his normal athleticism, his, his being a dynamic kind of all-around linebacker. He was still feeling it. And it wasn't really until last year that he was back to the level that he wanted to be at. And, you know, that's uh, it, it's interesting to hear a player be that open about, you know, it's like, yes, I was struggling. And so you see him really coming into his own right now. And, you know, he's going to get paid. He's going to be a free agent this offseason. I think the Saints are going to want to retain him, but he's going to get he's going to get an offers from somewhere, and uh, you know it's going to be interesting to see if the Saints can keep him around. It's uh, he can put on his resume too now. You know, Demario Davis says best kept secret in NFL. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not going to be a secret, Demario. You're telling everybody. No, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, teams love to come in and scoop up Saints defensive players, right? Like it happens. And one of the biggest questions about him was whether he could cover well. You know, he had really a, a 79.8 grade in coverage in this game, you know, and he's looked better and better every week. So, yeah, I mean, you have you now have a guy who is you can confidently say can play all three linebacker positions. Teams want that. The Saints want that. You know, like I, I think Demario, while he kind of seems like he could play forever, I don't know how much longer he has in the thing, you know, how much gas he has left in the tank, you know. And so if, if you're kind of looking at the future and you're the Saints and you're like, trying to plan for a scenario where Demario's not here anymore and you can build around Pete Werner and Caden Ellis, you know, I think maybe you will uh, get a little, get loose with the purse strings uh, uh, when that comes to call. But either way, it's just really, it's a really good story. You know, a former Idaho Vandal who wasn't even invited to the combine, you know, and, and hopefully we can keep, get to see that continuing. Cause I don't know how you take him out the field at this point, even when Pete's healthy, you got to find a way to get him out there. Well, I love too, uh, you know, talking to him in the locker room and stuff. He said, you know, he didn't get many offers going to college because he was so adamant he wanted to play quarterback. He was he wanted to be a quarterback in the NFL and kind of told like shied away from telling teams that he was a linebacker as well. So, 
and look at him now. I mean, like four years now on the Saints, and uh, you had mentioned the grades for him in pass coverage. That's what I was most impressed with because, you, you know, as a pass rusher getting after the quarterback and being able to stop the run, sure. But I thought him being able to drop back was really impressive. Yeah, I mean, 6'3", 238. He can move around. He's yeah. very athletic. He's very strong. He has real pass rush moves. And so I think what we're going to see, you know, Peyton Turner went down. We didn't talk about that in the opener. But Peyton Turner went down with an ankle injury. I knew the second I tweeted, oh, Peyton Turner's down with an injury, I was going to get the immediate like, oh, he's always hurt. It's like he, he he literally made a stop on fourth down and then was getting up and someone rolled on top of him and like sprained his ankle. Luck, like, it's not his fault. That's just right. bad luck, you know, and that's been the Saints have had a lot of really bad luck with injuries. But there was some good news in that it was a low ankle sprain, which is the ideal scenario if you're going to have to deal with an ankle injury. Hopefully he's not out too long. But for the Saints, you saw that in this game, you've seen it a good bit all season. The linebackers are going to have to be involved in pressuring the quarterback. And so, like, I think that's something where you really need to be able to take advantage of Caden's skill set. You really need to be able to take advantage of Demario's skill set as pass rushers from the inside and like a, a gap pressures or even lining up on the line, because I don't know, you're going to have to generate pressure from somewhere. You can't just let guys like Jimmy Garoppolo sit in the pocket because that's what they want to do, right? They want to sit in the pocket and let things develop downfield and you got to get them out of their comfort zone somehow. And so I think Caden's going to be a big part of that. Yeah, we saw Jimmy G way too comfortable on Monday Night Football yeah. being in the pocket, and look what he did to Arizona. That could happen here with the Saints very easily. Another guy, you know, on the defense having to step up with so many guys down, especially at defensive end, Carl Granderson, I thought had a really good game as well. He did. He did. He he got in for at least one half sack. I think he got um, robbed of another one because he and Caden both got through on both those sacks I talked about. So Carl got credit for the la the second one. He got a half sack. The first one, he, you know, I don't know how he missed, but he just dove over the top and was like, that should have been a half sack, but whatever. No, he's been good. And yeah, I mean, I don't know who you're, who you're lining up there, right? You're basically down to Tano, Passigno, Contavious yeah. Street, I guess, could bump outside if you need him to, and you can put, you can kind of run this jumbo set. Maybe Marcus can get back, right? He was questionable for this game, I believe, right? Yeah, don't forget. No, no, he was he, he was, was out. out. Andres Pete was questionable and he didn't right. play. Maybe, yeah, maybe Cam can get back. Jabari Zuniga was an elevation off the practice squad. Maybe you bring in somebody off the street. But either way, you're going to have to find a way to generate pressure somehow because that group is, you know, that was supposed to be, you know, we talked. It, it's weird because throughout much of the season, that was a very healthy group, you know, and now we get to week 11 and all of a sudden it's like, where'd they go? <laughs> There's None of them are there. Um, and uh, yeah, that's not great. That's what I feel like happened, too. We were boosting, you know, uh, blowing up the Saints cornerback room in training camp, and that group, you know, pretty much got decimated. They got depleted. They got no, depleted. No, decimated works the there. That, that actually, okay, decimated works there. Yes, because it's de decimated by injuries. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you look at now uh, with Marshawn Lattimore still out. Saw him at the game again. I don't know if that's another positive sign. Maybe – He's closer to getting back on the practice field. Uh, lose a guy in Bradley Roby, though, as well. So, you know, you're, you're missing uh, some bodies there that you you were depending on. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's part of the life in the NFL. There's only so much you can do. You know, guys get P.J. Williams but, was out for a while. Yeah, like you just got you got to find a way to win games. And, you know, this this team, they need to be a desperate team right now. And that's. You know, I don't I don't know if you've seen that from them in the last two losses, right? Like, I don't think you saw a team that was, like, playing with desperation. Yeah, that, I, th I think that might have been one of the most disappointing things in Pittsburgh. I didn't see that want out of anybody there. Yeah. No, I agree with that. No, and so hopefully they can go out to San Fran. And, you know, that's going to be, you know, that, that's been a that's been a kind of fiery rivalry the last few seasons. So hopefully maybe that can bring something out. Maybe Alvin Kamara can get in on the action. Uh, and score a couple touchdowns. Um, He's due. Yeah, but either way, I think we're going to see more Caden Ellis. Hopefully he can keep it up. But, okay, let's wrap that segment up. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about more with some positivity and how you might be able to win some money um, Ooh, or lose like some that. money. One way or the other. Keep it locked on Inside Black.
closing it out on today's episode of Inside Black and Gold. I think it's time to start talking about it. You know, I say that, but we did talk about it after the game. So we're talking about it again. And it's, you know, what are the odds for Chris Olave to actually finish off a Rookie of the Year campaign and win that award? He is actually currently number three in the betting odds. Can you name the two players in front of him, Steve? I'd have to go from the the Titans running, uh, not the Titans running back, uh, Damian Pierce. He's one of them, yep. Whew. It's not going to be the Falcons receiver, huh? No. No, he's not. He's, he's nowhere near it. Um, and I know it's not dim, 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 Garrett Wilson. Dim, dim, dim. No, he is on the list, but he's pretty far down. Time's yeah, up. Is Kenneth Walker, running back, Seattle Seahawks. He is currently the top odds getter at minus 140. Damian Pierce is plus 400. Chris Olave is plus 600. And those are really the top three candidates. And I think the list after them is pretty – are are long shots, right? So you have Christian Watson, the Packers wide receiver, who's been really coming on lately. Um, He's plus 1,400. Isaiah Pacheco who was a rookie running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, who had a 100-yard game um, this past week. But yeah, he's got a long way to go. Waiver. Yeah, he's got a long way yeah. to go before before he's really in this conversation. Kenny Pickett is the top quarterback. So anytime Ooh. you have a quarterback, that's a lot of times that is going to give, you, give them a much better chance, right? Like Kyler Murray won. Uh, he really didn't have that great of a season, but a solid rookie quarterback season is usually far above a really good rookie wide receiver or rookie running back. There is no rookie quarterback this year that you really care about because there are no good rookie quarterbacks, and Kenny Pickett kind of sucks. So that's really a wide-open race beyond that. The guy, I think, is a dark horse here. If you wanted to to to, to really throw a dart with a potential, is uh, George Pickens. He's plus 5,000 right now, but... You know, they traded away Chase Claypool. So there's a there's an opportunity for him to really feast over the last, you know, eight games of this season. And he has had a solid year to this point. He's got 33 catches for 453 yards and two touchdowns. But, you know, if he if he really goes big time over the last five, six games, he could come out. And, I mean, you're getting plus 5,000 odds. But I do think that Chris Olave, I think we talked about this after the game, the biggest thing he needs to do and the Saints need to do is win a few games so that the attention is on him late in the season because there's a chance and you're playing for something. If the, if your last four games are, are played in obscurity with, with no meaningful um, you know playoff consideration whatsoever, you're not winning rookie of the year. It's the same reason I don't think Damian Pierce is going to really have a chance because no one's going to be watching Texans games, right? Like. Right. Uh, and no one's going to come away, unless you have him in fantasy, no one's going to be like, oh yeah, that, that, that game was fun to watch because of Damian Pierce. You know, they're going to turn it off and go watch something else. So that's why I kind of think he, he has a rough go of it, but he has been good, right? Like he's played in 10 games. He has 175 rushes, 780 yards, three touchdowns, 24 catches for 135 yards. Kenneth Walker, he has been really impressive. I think Brees Hall was also on this list prior to his injury. Sure. And Kenneth Walker, you know, he's come on late, right? He was stuck behind Rashad Penny for the first half of this season. Rashad Penny's season ended in New Orleans with that injury. Kenneth Walker, 121 attempts, 587 yards. is averaging just under five yards a carry, seven touchdowns. And there have been a lot of long touchdowns. Like he has a 74-yard touchdown. I want to say he had a 68-yard touchdown against the Saints, right? So he has had multiple 50 plus yard touchdown runs. <laughs> and so that's that's the type of like you look at a highlight reel going for rookie of the year that's that's going to win you an award if you can keep that up. Yeah, like you said, uh, Olave hopefully playing in more meaningful games coming up and the fact that too they got to get him into the end zone a little more. Just scored his third touchdown of the year this last game. I think it was also his third 100-yard receiving game. I'd be more concerned though of getting him more of those end zone looks. Well, you got to hit him on big plays, right? Like yeah. whether they end in the end zone or not, he needs to be more involved in chunk plays downfield. I think that is something that he has, you know, he's kind of fallen down in the rookie of the year ladder. And it's it's happened since they made the shift from Jameis Winston to Andy Dalton because yeah. 
what you lose in that shift is the downfield passing attack. You really haven't seen it much with Andy Dalton in there, but the last few weeks, I think you've gotten a little bit more involved with Jarvis Landry back. I think there's the ability to get him more involved downfield because you can, you can use Jarvis underneath and that is where he thrives. But yeah, I mean, 51 catches, 760 yards, three touchdowns like that. Those are some serious numbers on a team where, you know, the last five, six weeks, you haven't really had anyone else to deal with. Obviously Jarvis is back now and he was incorporated. He caught a touchdown. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is on pace to break the Saints franchise record for uh rookie wide receiving yards and Set by Mike Thomas, right? <laughs> I think it's a little over 1200. I'd have to look it up, but he's well on his way to that. And I mean, so Mike Thomas, Marcus Colston, both guys that had really, really successful, spectacular rookie seasons in New Orleans. And he is on pace to beat that. So that's, you know, that kind of tells you just how good he's been. Can't guard Chris. I think you need a different nickname. I know, um, I know. But all right, let's go through some more some more Saints, some Saints futures props to see if you, you would bet on any of them. Saints make playoffs. To get yes is plus 700. No is minus 1,200. <laughs> The the problem is so this is it's kind of weird because Saints to win division is plus a thousand, but you know the Saints aren't making the playoffs as a wild card. Exactly. So realistically speaking, if you were going to bet this, you would never bet Saints to make playoffs and lose. You know the percentage that you would lose when you just say Saints to win division because that's really the only route they have. No, I, I totally agree, and uh, hopefully they can catch up with Tampa who is now, I think, two games ahead of them. Uh, one thing, you know what I'm just remembering we didn't mention either? The New York football giants have signed Nick Vanette to their practice squad. Did they? Yes. Yeah, I saw he was uh, he was out there. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, reliable blocking tight ends are not exciting until you don't have one. Yeah, we, yeah we've talked about that for sure, right? And that's yeah. exactly what Nivette, Nick Vanette does well. Besides... I always said too, it's unfortunate he doesn't do didn't do much with the Saints just because he was such a good locker room interview. Yeah, and it'd be interesting to see if the Saints tried to keep him around. I wouldn't be surprised if they were just like or the Giants were like, Well, we have an opportunity for you to actually play. And <laughs> right. Nick was like, Okay, because you know, the Saints, you know, they they might have signed him to their practice squad, but you know, he would probably have stayed on the practice squad. The Giants are out there trying to play guys named Lawrence Cager at tight end and I've never even heard of the players that they're playing at tight end. Like even in college, I'd never heard of these players. So like that he's going to have a chance. He's going to get on the field for them. So get good for him. You know, he, he, he's been very much uh, just a guy in the room for the saints this year. Yeah, definitely not really utilized. And, you know, I, I think like you mentioned, it's not re really uh, easy to find a good blocking tight end and you don't know what you have until you miss it kind of thing, but he wasn't, he wasn't seeing any opportunities here with guys. And he had no know, opportunity to work into a role. No, like, right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and he's probably going to get into the playoffs. So, honestly, that might have been part of the decision, too. Yeah, I know that was probably part of Latavius Murray's thinking, but now look what look at Denver right now. Not to say that the, that the yeah, Giants are in that situation at all. Latavius is going to be the starting running back there. I know, now that Melvin Gordon's out. Yeah, they released Melvin Gordon and uh, Chase Edmonds. Traded there from Miami, and he's he's dealing with an injury. So Latavius, you know, he might not be in the playoffs, but he's going to get a chance to be the starting running back in Denver for the rest of the season. So you can't argue with that decision either. Um Back to the odds here. Saints to win the NFC plus 6,000. You know, if you're confident and you want to lay a $10 bet on uh, Saints to win the NFC, you can win $600. <laughs> that, that just seems like throwing money away, honestly. I don't even know if that math is right. I just did it in my head, but it sounds right. Because it's plus 6,000 to, you know, bet 100 to win 6,000. So I'm pretty sure 10 would be 600. Saints to win the Super Bowl. What do you think it is, Steve? Ooh, that's got to be like 200 to one odds. 150 to one, actually. Okay. I was close. So if you bet $1 on the Saints to win the Super Bowl. Not even you, just to they, make it, you have to win it. And they did, yeah. <laughs> you would you would win $150. I wonder what it is just to make the Super Bowl. No, I mean, they to win the conference. That's the same thing. Oh, yeah, there you go. Duh. Yeah. So plus six, so six, 60 to one odds, yeah. Anyway, so those are the odds. 
if you uh, if you feel like throwing money away, that's 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 the type of uh, that's the type of action you can get. Saints wins. They are still surprisingly over under six and a half. What do you think? Mm, I'm I'm gonna say the over six and a half. I would take still. Yeah. I still have I still have hope. I I still have a little bit of confidence in this team. I don't know why. Maybe there's a little bit of homerism or or just being delirious. But I, I think they can get over six and a half wins. Yeah, I mean, I think they beat the Falcons, and I think they beat the Panthers, right? Like, those are wins you should get. And those are teams that now, you know, Kyle Pitts is out for the year. You know, I think by the time you get to week 15, which is confirmed to be a Saturday game, as I reported earlier, you know, they might be they might be completely in the tank. You know, I don't think they will be actively tanking. They're not going to throw a mat, throw a game. But, you know, I don't think they're going to be going all in either. And the Panthers in the same way. So, like, those should be two wins. So that would get you to six. And it's really a question of, can you win another game? Can you beat the 49ers, the Browns, the Bucks, the... Eggles. Bang? No. Eagles. Eagles, yeah. Sorry. I said Eggles, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I thought you said Bengals. <laughs> um, so that's... Yeah, that, that game in Cleveland on Christmas is interesting to me just because... Um, I'm curious to see what's going to be the Deshaun Watson show coming. I, I, you know, he hasn't been in football forever, and I don't think that's going to be the old cure-all over there either. No, but it'll be interesting because this is the week he gets to come back against the Texans. So, what do you uh, know, right? How, how fitting. Yeah. But, I mean, we've seen, you know, everyone acts like, oh, you get that quarterback and all of a sudden everything is fixed. But look at the Broncos, you know? You know, that was one in the beginning of the year. Everybody kept talking about – they're a quarterback away, and I I really never saw it with that roster, like, from the get. No, they should be a quarterback away. That, no, that, that is a good roster. That is a good offense. It just wasn't like, oh, Russell Wilson's coming, boom, Super Bowl. I just I just never believed that, honestly. I just don't think that Russell Wilson is this kind of one-size-fits-all quarterback that can make it work in whatever offense he shows up in. I think that the Seahawks were tailored around his skill set, and they knew how to they, – they were they were good with him. And he was good with them. And that's, you know, I don't think every quarterback can just switch systems and, and retain that level of success. And that's what you saw. And you've, you've seen that come true in Denver. You know, he's a small quarterback. He can't see over the line, right? Like, like that's not a normal thing. Like, that is rare. Like, you, like for every Drew Brees, you know, you, you end up with, you know, five Doug Fluties. Well, yeah, we're seeing Pete Carroll is still able to win without Russell. Uh, Bill Belichick having a bit of a difficult time without a Tom Brady. We'll see what happens with Sean Payton when he comes back, if he's able to win without Drew. It'd be curious to see, you know, go back in the space-time continuum in an alternate universe and see if Drew Brees happened to leave the Saints and go on somewhere else. Would he have had success without Sean Payton running the show? Well, I get I hear all the time about how they almost drafted Pat Mahomes. So right. that's kind of exactly. your, your your inverse reality situation where and I think it is interesting to think about because so if they draft Pat Mahomes I don't think he starts as a rookie I think you do kind of the same thing that the, that the Chiefs did right but you know Smith. after that 2019 season you got to move on yeah I mean I think that's probably where you know the Vikings were making a run at Drew Brees and maybe you say okay good luck you know we're gonna go with Pat and then so what is what does Drew do out in Minnesota with that really good roster you know that would have been interesting, but you'll never in you'll never find out. No, it's like uh you know the what if game, obviously woulda coulda shoulda or whatever you want to say. It's just interesting to think about, obviously, because you know you hear about a player making a coach or a coach making a player, and you know it's it's very interesting right now to see Bill Belichick struggling so much. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I think you see it with with Bill, you see it with Mike Tomlin, right? Sure. When you. When you suddenly don't have that quarterback anymore, life gets a lot more difficult. And uh, yeah, I mean the the Seattle situation is rare. And I still I'm still not sold on Seattle. Like everyone, like they, I think they're what six and four. Yeah, and they're off this week because yeah, because they played in Germany. They played Tampa in Germany. Uh, you know, I'm not sold on that team. Like I think there's a real possibility where they finish the season eight and nine, nine and eight, and they're they're, they're looking up at the 49ers at the end of it. Like that 49ers are the best team in that division. And Definitely the Seahawks agree. defense is not as good as it has looked. I mean, we, we saw the Saints tear them apart. 
Yeah, and it's just amazing to me that Geno's been able – I've been waiting for the Geno Smith to fall off a cliff, and he's really performed well. He didn't look good against the Bucs. No. And you kind of saw him revert to that, like, you know, turnover prone, not making decisions fast enough, you know, trying to do too much, Geno. So, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe you're going to see a lot more of that. And I do think to some extent that team has been – just winning games in spite of itself. Like that defense is not good. Tariq Wollin is a good rookie, but yeah, I mean, so, so I'm not, I'm not going to give the Seahawks like the, Oh, they, they managed to survive without Russ benefit of the doubt yet. They have to finish this season. A six and four start is great, but they have to finish in the playoffs before I count that. And there are still a lot of losses left uh, on that schedule if they don't do it right away. Yeah. But I'm, I'm looking their next three games. Raiders, Rams, Carolina. Oof. Yeah. So maybe they will win. <laughs> but, but after that, maybe there they aren't got as many ni- losses on that schedule as I thought. <laughs> but after after that, they got Niners and Chiefs. So that's rough. And then they close with Jets, Rams. Yeah. But I mean, if all, if all they do is beat the four teams that are bad on that yeah. schedule, then they make the playoffs at ten and six, ten and seven. So yeah, maybe maybe there aren't as many losses on that schedule left as I thought. No, um, yeah, the tough, like I said, toughest ones, definitely Niners and Chiefs. But yeah, I mean, four and three is a 10 win season. And that's kind of the, uh, to me, that's the benchmark is either you're, either you, you're, you're bad or you win 10 games. <laughs> like, that's kind of how I look at it. <laughs> like, if you win, go nine and eight, you're not a good team. You win 10 games, like, okay, fine. Right. Yeah. You got to be two games above, above 500 there. Well, I mean, that, t- to me, 10 wins guarantees you a playoff spot with, with, with the expanded playoffs. You know, there's only so many 10-win teams, right? Like, it's just that the math works, especially in this season where there's a lot of down teams. One thing I, I said last week was, you know, it's wild how few good teams there are. Like, not great yes. teams, not 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 incredible teams, not like odds-on Super Bowl bets. Like, just teams that don't go out week in and week out and give you, like, these bafflingly inconsistent results, right? Like, like the Giants, like that's not a good team, but they're seven and three. They went out and lost to the Lions this week. They're right. they're they're signing Nick Vanette because their starting tight end is named Lawrence Cager. Like that's not a good team. Kenny Galladay doesn't even play for them because he just doesn't feel like it. They had to ship out Kadarius Tony, a first round pick from two years ago, who immediately catches a touchdown with the Chiefs. Just but now he's immediately like, hurt again. Yeah, they're like they're just trying to get rid of all the Gettleman guys, which is like fine. That's a good idea in my opinion. But like that's not a good team. But they're one of the top end teams. Like the Eagle, like how many g- good teams are there? So like Eagles, Chiefs, Ravens. Well, even even the Eagles, you know, they've been falling back to earth the last two games. Just that that eke, they eked out a win against the Colts, and they had their uh, you know their perfect season snapped as well. So there's some you know reality check for them. Minnesota has I don't know I don't know if to, if I can believe in them or not. I don't believe in Minnesota. I believe uh, I'm, I'm definitely more concerned games. with the 49ers after seeing them last on Monday night. Yeah. Minnesota's eight and two. Philadelphia's nine and one. Dolphins and Bills are seven and three. Chiefs are eight and two. Ravens are seven Cowboy and three. Believer. Titans are seven and three, and the Titans aren't good. Anyway. There's just it, just in general, and I think I've made this comment before too. It's like there really hasn't been good football this season either. I mean, I was a treat to watch that Sunday night game, at least between the Chiefs and Chargers. But a lot of games really haven't even been entertaining. It is it is funny, too, because the AFC East and the NFC East, all four teams are above 500. Yeah. And then in the NFC South, all four teams are, sub, are 500 or worse. So, yeah. And, and I know it's we've gotten tired of saying the Saints are still – mathematically in it but when you see just the falcons at five and six and then the bucks at five and five with games still to play against them obviously <laughs> there's still a chance as 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 they say you know and what was it dumb and dumber you know so you mean there's still a chance well yeah so you're there, telling there me is. there's a chance i'm not even going to talk about the falcons it's the bucks and the saints right like the falcons they're just they're, all they're doing is ruining their draft pick. Like this is not a team that has a chance. Uh, like if Arthur Smith gets credit, like they have been much better than they should have been. But like that's not a team that even wants to win this year. <laughs> like, right. I, I was so aggravated the Bears couldn't pull off that victory last week. 
But it doesn't even matter. Like, get him out of the picture. Like, Falcons and the Panthers just need to go to sleep and hibernate and then come back next year with, their, with the quarterback they draft. <laughs> and then we can talk about whether they can win or not. I'm so tired of hearing about whether it's Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold or P.J. Walker. They're all bad. Right. Anyway. Okay. I'm just I'm surprised too with the just in the Falcons they're not giving Desmond Ritter more run. I I think that with young quarterbacks and I think Arthur Smith is actively aware of this and trying to make sure it happens is you don't have to play a rookie quarterback if they're not ready. Yeah. And if you play them too soon and they lose all their confidence on a bad team, that's not good either. So like I don't I don't I don't see this like oh we desperately need to see Desmond Ritter so that we can tell if he's good or bad or not. Like the team knows. And I don't know, like the last couple of games of the season when you are out of it and there's a lot, a lot less pressure on it, I think that's when, like once they are eliminated from the playoffs, I think you'll see Desmond Ritter and they'll say, okay, we're going to see what happens here. But they're not going to send him out there so that his first experience in the NFL can be eliminating the Falcons from the playoffs. Oh, understood. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it was like Eli Manning sat behind Kurt Warner for like the first 10 games of his rookie season, like for number one pick in the NFL. And he didn't start right away. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, like there's a much bigger track record of good quarterbacks not playing in their rookie season than there is like guys who you threw right into the fire and are great right away, especially outside of the first round. Like Russell Wilson is probably like the entire list. Yeah. I'm trying to think of one right now. Like mid round quarterbacks. Like, no, they they don't happen. Um, But yeah, anyway, even, I was going to say Herbert, but he didn't start right away. He didn't, but even and he was a first rounder. That was Tyrod Taylor, and then they punctured his lung. Yeah, they yeah they they stabbed him in the in the <laughs> lung to to get Justin Herbert in there. And maybe maybe someone's got to do that to Mariota. Maybe that'll get Herbert in, or Desmond Ritter in the game. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Inside black and gold. Stabbing lungs since <laughs> since 2022. All right, that's going to wrap up. For this episode that was rambling and all over the place, and hopefully you got something out of it. My name is Jeff Nowak, WWE Little Sports Producer. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Steve Geller at Steve Geller WWL. He hangs out on the sidelines for Saints games. He has a good time doing it. Always fun. Hanging out. Talking Saints. Let's do it again. Who that? Hopefully not Sam Frank.